Good morning to you all and uh, you're very welcome to the last Wednesday Chapel of the academic year and I'm delighted to hand over to Mr. Crom. This morning I'm going to read you some words that are attributed to Jesus and then I'll do a, re a reflection on those words. These words are very well known to people all over the world. I'm sure many of you will know these words off by heart. We often repeat these words in chapel. Whenever I repeat these words, <clears throat> I ask myself, yeah, how often do I take the time to slow down and think about the words that I'm saying? <clears throat> the words of Jesus are, are like a mirror. It enables me to see myself the way I really am and makes me aware of the adjustments that I need to make. Many people reject Christianity because of some Christians that they consider to be hypocrites. A famous person once said, if you allow a hypocrite to come between you and God, then the hypocrite is actually closer to God than you are. Mahatma Gandhi said the whole world would be Christian if it wasn't for Christians. He made that statement after experiencing racism and hypocrisy in South Africa by people claiming to be Christians. Gandhi read and examined the words of Jesus and he believed that Jesus was who he claimed to be and that is God. And he was hugely inspired by Jesus and his Sermon on the Mount that these words come from. Martin Luther King Jr. and Nelson Mandela were inspired by Gandhi and by Jesus and his Sermon on the Mount. It's important to read the words attributed to Jesus and examine them because if Jesus' words are true, then there are massive implications. I can understand people rejecting Christianity when they see how Christians behave and unfortunately I'm sure some people have probably looked at my life at times and said, if that is Christianity, then no thank you. If you haven't already, uh, please take the time to examine the words attributed to Jesus and the claims he made. Jesus is undoubtedly the most influential person that ever walked the earth. My faith is in Jesus Christ and not in Christianity. The words of Jesus I want uh, to look at this morning can be found in Matthew 6 and Luke 11 and are part of the Sermon on the Mount. The two passages have been combined and go something like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So this prayer is known as the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father. Understanding the context of these words and, and the prayer is important. Jesus said uh, these words when his disciples asked him to teach them how to pray. He also said that when we pray, we should not pray repetitious prayers and rattle off the words without thinking about what we are saying. Many people have made the point that the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father is a prayer outline. A few years ago, I, I read a book called The Joy of Prayer and it had a chapter on every line of the prayer. And it definitely changed the way I, I saw, uh, saw the prayer. The first line, Our Father, is really powerful. Millions of Christians all around the world say, Our Father. And it's interesting to think that there will be no denominations in heaven, and I'm sure that will take some people by surprise. In John uh, 13, uh, verse 35, Jesus said, People will know that you are my followers by the love that you have one for another. Unfortunately, that is sadly lacking in many parts of the Christian church today. Michael Heaney used to use the analogy of wallpaper to describe the differences between different denominations, and he probably still uses that analogy today. Many churches are divided on non-essential matters. 
During the lockdown, it's been great to see hundreds of different denominations and churches coming together to sing the blessing over their nations and working together. Philip McKinley was instrumental in doing that in Ireland, and if you have not already seen the blessing over Ireland, then I would recommend doing a search online uh, for the Irish blessing. It's been great to see so many people from different denominations coming together to pray for Joshua and for Tobias. Um, referring to God as our Father is also powerful, as some people never had a father or had a father with lots of issues. But God as our Father is everything that is good about a father. He cares for us, protects us, provides for us, teaches us, corrects us, and the, the list is endless. The next line, who art in heaven? We could spend a long time talking about how God is spirit and about heaven and what heaven will be like. The next line, hallowed be thy name. Um, hallow means holy. God's name is holy. Jewish people went to great lengths not to misuse the name of God. In the book, the author went through all the names for God, and they include God the healer, provider, shepherd, savior, peace, our righteousness, and many more. There is power in the name of Jesus. Unfortunately, in our society, many people use Jesus' name as a swear word. Uh, the next line, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus ushered in the kingdom of God. He said the kingdom of God is within us. And we can bring the kingdom into situations by praying or random acts of kindness or many other ways like helping someone in need or you know, and expecting nothing in return, giving someone a cup of coffee or chocolate bar or sending someone a kind message or just encouraging someone. I believe the kingdom has come in many ways in our school community uh, as so many people are praying for Joshua and fundraising and working together and doing kind and generous things. The wider St. Columbus community has raised close on 10,000 uh, for the um, avian pink tie charity that are helping Joshua and his family. In Romans 8, uh, 34, it says that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father and prays for us. In Romans 8, 36, it says, We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us uh, through wordless groans. Instead of praying to God, I try and spend time listening to what Jesus and the Holy Spirit are, are praying for me and pray in line with what they are praying so that it can be uh, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. God is our provider and he provides our daily needs, not our wants. If you've ever bought or made fresh bread without preservatives, you'll know that by the next day um, it, it's gone hard. So it is important that I know I need to come to Jesus every day to, to get fresh food. Uh, the next line, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgiveness is at the heart of Jesus' teaching. I need to ask God to, to forgive and we also need to forgive others. Uh, he said, if I don't forgive, uh, he will not forgive me, which is quite a scary thought. Jesus' ability to forgive inspired Gandhi, Martin Luther King, and Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela could easily have taken a re revenge when he was made president, but he chose the path of forgiveness. Viktor Frankl, who survived concentration camps, also chose forgiveness. I need to ask myself, who do I need to forgive today? What, what works for me is to genuinely pray blessing on those that I'm struggling with. And that really does set me free. Uh, the next line, and lead us not into t temptation, but deliver us from evil. There has been some de debate about this line. So what did Jesus mean? Was he implying that God could lead someone into temptation? In James 1.13, it says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt, uh, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he's dragged away and enticed. It is never God's desire for us to be led into sin. If we resist the devil, we are promised that he will flee from us. In James 4 verse 7 it says, Submit yourselves unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Why would our Father in heaven, who knows all things, lead us into temptation? 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has seized you, 
Accept what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. God does, doesn't tempt us, but he allows us to be put into situations where our faith is tested and strengthened. Ephesians 6 also um, tells us how to put on the armor of God. The last line, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The last part of the, the prayer is known as the doxology. It is not found in Luke or the early versions of Matthew. And this part of the prayer is not said in some denominations. The prayer ends with a declaration that when I invite Jesus into my life and ask the Holy Spirit to live within me, then I should be experiencing and demonstrating the power and the glory of the kingdom of God for eternity. When I reflect on the words of Jesus, I'm always challenged and I realize my shortcomings, my brokenness and my sinfulness. It helps me to realize my need of a savior. We're now going to sing the hymn, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. The words in this hymn are very challenging. Uh, many thanks to Mr. Clark for playing the organ and to the lockdown choir.
grateful thanks to Mr. Cron. And we conclude with the words of the grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.